0: I had so much fun recording this episode of the podcast. Uh, Again, it's back with Alan, and this time we're talking about a minimum viable audience. With this episode, we're kind of exploring the challenge that startups have, and also most businesses, where they think they need to go big, they need to go mass market, or they need to capture a huge audience, and what that does is just defocus them. Uh, And it actually becomes a challenge when it even comes to making money, and finding what um, profitable product is. So this is a bit of a longer episode than normal, but I really think that it's uh, going to be enjoyable and educational. Yes, back by popular demand, knowledge bombs from the infinite consciousness of Alan Wick. Oh no. You, <laughs> you <laughs> haven't I'm before. <laughs> Talking to you about pricing, and now, and another episode with Alan. Oh God! I, I really need to get one of those voices. I need to smoke some more cigars. <laughs> I, you know, I need to go onto Fiverr and find someone to do the right intro for this stuff—the the gravelly cigarette, cigar-throated, you know, cinema intro. No, it would no longer need. be Kung Fu Carlos.
1: It's Carlos. Everybody loves Carlos. So it has to be you. Nobody on oh. fire can replace you.
0: Oh, flattery will get you everywhere, Alan. Oh,
1: you've <laughs> tried it on me. What is all, all this infinite conscious stuff? I mean, I can't. Keep it. There's no way people are going to be disappointed.
0: <laughs> you are at that level of knowledge and experience. You have been there. You've done it. This is why you're here. This is why you're helping us, because you can see things that we don't see, and that's why you are. From from our perspective, you are the infinite consciousness. Oh,
1: please listen. I'm gonna to have to ask my wife to get involved with this to keep reminding me. You know, like those Roman gods would come into the city after a congress, and they had somebody behind them saying, "You are not a god. You are not a god." That's
0: I'm gonna need that after today. <laughs> There we go. We'll um, yeah, we can balance it out. Well, we'll we'll blow you up, and she'll deflate you when you need to.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So um, today, uh, I think we're following. For me, it feels like a progression of our earlier conversation around pricing because yeah. one of the you know most important things about pricing is like who are you pricing for, and yeah, and what is it you know what is it they want, and and, yeah. and I think. One of the challenges uh, I've experienced and also I've been guilty of, uh, and I'm sure you've met loads of people who do that, is that they go they go immediately for the mass, mass market when they start off with their business, or particularly an innov- innovative idea. I think it seems to be really a, a bad move. So why don't we start with that? Why is why is going for mass market off the bat just really, really silly? Um,
1: I, I'd actually challenge going for mass market uh, attitude. Most um, startups I've come across, or entrepreneurs, um, they may have a hope and a wish that one day their product and service will appeal to many. But I think it's a a slightly deeper problem than that, that even the word market is not understood. It's amorphous, it's weird, Mm. it's sort of something out there that isn't defined and and secondly i think most companies i come across that have an idea or business uh, again early stage tend to think what i call from the inside out they think of what we're going to make first and then second who is this going to be for
0: mm.
1: and that in itself presents um, a,
0: a big challenge doing it that way around so it's like i've got a thing and now I find someone to sell it to. Yeah. Ah. So and you know I, I you know read Seth Godin a bit and his whole thing is like if you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. He talks about being a purple cow and trying to be remarkable. But um yeah, there's 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 more to that than just uh putting on a yellow tux and dancing around and looking different. Mm. There's there's something much more strategic around that. Uh, and this is kind of where this podcast came from. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. You brought up the idea of a minimum viable audience. So, how does that help people when they think they need to go and sell to everyone? And also, what does it mean in terms of, you know, like you said, this amor- amorphous term market? How does that help? That as well. Yeah, uh,
1: and I think that's a great reference point going back to Seth Godin's purple cow. Um, And I'd like to pick up from that and link it. Uh, um, For those that don't know what that means, it's simply the the concept that we're driving down the the road, we pass lots of farms with lots of cows, and then suddenly there's a purple one and we notice it. This idea of uniqueness and that it's something to seek is uniqueness of course, that thinking stops that the cow, the purple cow, is the thing. It's the product, the service. And what I found is that many people, particularly who are really enthusiastic about their product or the service, and particularly towards engineering or creative type of people, uh, tend to think very much in terms of the features of what it is they're building, whether it's an app or a service or a product. And then, by by coming round to your point of, well, hold on a minute, if I know that there's one person that might love this thing, or two people or three people, and then extending that thing a little bit further, actually, I think I'll try to get under the skin of the people that I'd like to work with and understand their needs, wants, beliefs, something that's called psychographics, which we can come back to. I can then balance Their needs, wants, beliefs, wishes, hopes, dreams, with something that will be exactly what they want—that is then very measurable. Because I really only want one, fifty, a hundred people to absolutely love it, and I really understand them. And then from there, I've got a base to build from.
0: uh, That's—I think—that's the thing people miss most is like starting with that solid base, uh, trying to go big straight away. I think the thing that also um, sprang out for me when you were just talking around Purple Cows, uh, I remember when we started off in business, and I think we were, it wasn't even a business model canvas. It was some kind of big form that someone from Business Link, uh, this organization in the past in the UK, who would send consultants around to tell you how to run your business. Uh, one of their representatives came to us, and there was this whole thing about what is your unique selling point? Mm. And I really had trouble with that because I had no idea why I was unique. And now I realize when you were talking here, the reason why I didn't know why I was unique because I wasn't sure who I was supposed to be unique to. Exactly. Because if I look at the world, I don't think I'm unique to anyone because everyone's slightly different and they've got their own thing. There's
1: only one Carlos.
0: Yeah. But why am I special to the world? Or am I only special to initially a certain number of people?
1: Exactly. And that's the, the piece that needs us coming outside ourselves or outside our businesses. They're really difficult to do, very hard to do. And that's why I think it's useful to get an outside view or somebody to help form that, which, by the way, doesn't have to be paid for. It can be somebody else that is helping us get this view of being inside the mind, of exactly the person we'd like to love what we're doing mm. uh, there's a, a great example uh, from the person who started uh, Airbnb who of course we think of as being worldwide and they're massive but actually in interview and I've forgotten the, the founder's name he said that all we wanted when we began was to was to invent something that a hundred people would love And we imagined our friends and family and what we might look for when we're going abroad and what kind of service would we trust. And that's who we built it for. So that and the, the method to do that wasn't from sitting in an office and imagining it. They got people in, they asked them questions, they did research. So that idea of research and understanding who... The, uh, the target, your target people, let's use the word people rather than market, and mm. their beliefs, dreams, wishes, hopes, fears, psychographics, as it's now called, is key to this. And if you don't understand that, you do that at your peril.
0: So there is this bit of work that, that you're saying that should be done in terms of getting clear about who is it you want to help and what is it you're trying to help them with, and then that will influence and give you some um, anchor points as to how you communicate uh, the value of what you do.
1: But Two things. It will give you what is the service or the product, the actual mm. what it is, and how to position it.
0: So I, th- I think the challenge a lot of uh, people out there may have is that they always, like you were saying, they always start with the what. And what I found uh, doing the work we do at the Happy Startup School is convincing people <laughs> that it, that isn't the thing, but they're so adamant. People are so adamant that it has to be about the what, because it feels comfortable. It feels clear. What do you think it is that stops people from doing what well, we It sounds properly logical, but for some reason, few people do it. I think there's a lack of
1: understanding in many businesses I own, as I come across, of all shapes and sizes, of the difference of of one of what I call my business fundamentals. And that is three words. Feature, advantage, benefit, or fab, Mm. for short. One of my favourite words, fab. A feature... For example, in a car, might be um, an automatic gearbox. And in order to explain that feature, and if it was an engineer, they could go on for days about the how the automatic clutch works, and that could be fascinating for another engineer. Then, what is the advantage of an automatic? gearbox. The driver doesn't have to change gears. Again, that can be explained. But what is the benefit to a a driver coming into a showroom, looking around different cars, and just has no interest in the engineering or the detail, and just wants to look around at, uh, at their options? I would call a benefit a more relaxing drive. Mm -hmm. And so that buyer that might have to pay, and I am going back a few years now, might have to pay more for an automatic gearbox than a manual. Well, that's still reasonably true. The salesperson, in my view, and therefore us as entrepreneurs have to be clear on what is the benefit in the eyes of the customer so it's no good that car salesmen saying oh it's amazing this gearbox here all the drawings or you know you meet that means you don't have to change gear they'll be focusing on saying this automatic gearbox in this car over here it's another 1000 pounds but you'll have a much more relaxing drive and then they it, and they get it and, if it's a... and does that does yeah. that make sense
0: that makes complete sense. And I think the other thing that came up for me when you were talking, kind of relating to focusing on your customer, so there's really clear idea of benefits, but then you know the petrol head who comes in, who loves to race and is really interested in just basically high-performance, crazy driving, who loves changing gears, uh, they're not your audience. Now that
1: brings up... We can rewind back to the car buyer walking into the showroom with the salesperson. The tell, push salesperson who wants to earn more commission won't have bothered to ask whether that buyer needs or wants an automatic gearbox. They are just focused on pushing the automatic Mm. on the bar because they get more money. It's their agenda. The good salesperson, this all links together, A good entrepreneur, a good uh, business owner is focused on the needs of the customer. But how do we find out? We ask. So by asking lots and lots of questions, if we're looking at the car showroom, it may be that that ends up with the right thing for that buyer being a manual gearbox because they're a petrol head and they love changing gears. And that's what suits them. But that is, in my opinion, for purpose-led entrepreneurs, exactly the right approach. Always have the the, the needs and uh, of the uh, of the customer absolutely uppermost in our mind, because that builds our hundred people who love what we're doing, who tell another hundred people, who tell another hundred
0: people. And that's, uh, I think, that's the thing that I feel is the way to. To get people more engaged with this way of looking at things, in that I, you know, even talking about this podcast, you know, the feature that we're describing is this idea of the minimal viable audience. Uh, the advantage you're going to get is that you can really focus on um, a few people and, and not get overwhelmed. This is my interpretation. Yeah. And the benefit is actually, this is free marketing because if you focus on this minimal viable audience and you work with them well and you give them what they need they'll talk about you yeah
1: and that that brings in net promoter score idea that we want that we want people to be scoring 9 or 10 out of 10 on how likely are you to recommend this particular thing to a friend and we know that every anybody above 8 or 9s and 10s are advocates they can't wait to tell their friends that they've just Got this new service or this new product because they really love it.
0: And so, um, thinking about the minimal viable audience, and I'm thinking again: someone who's listening to this, I think, okay, yeah, makes sense. Okay, but how else can we get them excited about thinking about this idea? And and in my mind, it's around thinking about <clears throat> what's the minimal viable profit as well, and how having an idea of a minimal viable audience can give you a much better feel for um the kind of way how you can achieve sustainability does that make sense
1: yeah yeah it does indeed that's a, a really huge question and the the quick answer is it depends enormously now on the specifics of what is the product or the service is it the kind of thing that can pick itself up by its shoelaces what bootstrapping and doesn't need any investment up front and can be done on a on a shoestring and there's just enough money coming in with each new customer that comes on board to keep it afloat or honestly is it something that's going to need investment up front and it may need a lot of investment up front which comes back to funding and all the rest mm. of it and, and and of course, there's in between. But those things, I think, need very careful thought, uh, because it, it, it may be. And of course, there's the business owner's attitude to selling equity, to getting investors in or borrowing or crowdfunding or whatever else, or how they feel about money from family and friends, that whole spectrum, I don't have an answer or a formula mm. that whether a direct link, in my view, between minimum viable profit and minimum viable audience. I think this, the minimum viable profit is a much, much bigger calculation, whereas the minimum viable audience concept, I think, is reasonably easy to understand. And it's actually quite quick and easy and cheap to put into practice, providing the business owner is happy to do that, the outside research. No, and really get under the skin of of the of the people they want to attract.
0: So, what you're saying there it is very dependent on the type of business, and so maybe to illustrate it, I'm trying to think of so the 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 thing that triggered me on that kind of train of thought, and was thinking about it. Say, say you wanted to earn one hundred thousand pounds a year, and this is just your vision for what is a, what makes sense, what success is, or what is a good wage for you. Or okay a good revenue, yep. but there's two ways you could look at it, and this again depends on the product. You either sell ten thousand products a year at ten dollars, or maybe ten products at ten thousand dollars. But then that becomes one of the um, the variables to consider as well. That when you're thinking about the the audience that you want to serve, does that make exactly.
1: sense? yes it does there's a so, direct, I agree there's a direct relationship but that is a big question for a for for now
0: so it's like there's on one hand you need as an entrepreneur and let's let's make this super clear so let's talk to some solopreneurs maybe people who are knowledge workers more selling whether it's consultancy or information products or or digital products even okay you can kind of Anchor one on one level, you can start thinking, all right, this is how much I would like to earn as one variable. Then how I want to earn it will then depend also the type of product and the audience you want to focus on. Yes, is that a way of useful way of thinking about it? Yes,
1: I agree with that. Now that's what I'd call bottom up. How much do I want in my pocket is a starting point. Then working out the business model above it. And that I'm thinking in my mind's eye, I'm seeing a profit and loss statement. I'm afraid it's all a bit, uh, <laughs> it might be a bit geeky from financial, but in other words, bottom up, the profit at the bottom, then above it are expenses, and above that is a cost of sales, and above that is revenues. And then mm-hmm. above that is the marketplace or the people, the who, and how many I yeah. need spending how much to give me the gross margin I want for my service or my product so for a solopreneur with a service that that is selling primarily their time if we just look at that to get a hundred thousand pounds gross income and as a typical sort of gross margin they probably need. I'm just pl- plucking a figure just to start us off somewhere. They may need somewhere between one hundred and fifty and two hundred thousand of revenue in order to have that that mm. profit, at the bottom line. Roughly, roughly, yeah. roughly.
0: So, actually, I'm quite interested. So, when you were talking about the bottom up, um, I'm gonna. I, it made me think of like playing with that. So the bottom up is how much do you want to earn? And I'm thinking of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. How much do you want to earn? Um, then you think about how many customers and what, how many products or so the pricing we use product, and then you go to the market. And then if you jump up higher, and bear with me with this, we, I'm thinking now from bottom, top down, to yeah, converge yeah, on that yeah. market area, Why am I? what's the vision and the purpose? What is the... St- big story that i'm trying to do why is that important how am i communicating that in a way that really engages people and so in the middle you have these people who buy into the story looking up and you're and you're basically the way you're trying to structure the business to to feed the business is from the bottom down is like how much money do i want to make and there's like two perspectives to look at it isn't just one way I don't know. I'm just thinking, trying to see how we can bring more of the happy startup yeah. thinking into um, this. No, situation. I
1: I dis actually disagree with the vision, purpose, uh, top down. In but in in the way I'm thinking about it, but it, absolutely that's crucial. I would argue that the other, the mirror of bottom up, top down in in respect of finance, because you we were going down the ro- the road of minimum viable profit so i'm just sticking with a financial sort of
0: mm-hmm.
1: context for a minute is the other way round so top down okay. is john smith i really now understand john smith i get what john smith needs ah, i get where their his pain point is and i also know what language to use if i'm speaking to a benefit So the pain point might, a pain sale might be, when you have a headache, use Blog's pill. That's a pain sale. And my language to John Smith is a certain type, because I know how John Smith feels when he has a headache. On the other hand, if I'm selling a holiday, I understand that John Smith loves beach holidays and particularly loves white sand. So my language would be, I've got the best white sand beach holiday that has got more sun per day than anywhere else. It's a benefit sale. And I then know whether it's a pain sale or a benefit sale, roughly how much my competitors are charging for something similar, roughly, because I've done my research. I combine that together. and I now know what I can, uh, how much I can price or and or charge. To John Smith for the pill or the holiday, now I work keep going back towards me, how many of those I know then my cost of sales, because I'm going to find that out if I don't already know there's the materials for the pill, there's the cost of the hotel blah 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 on the flights. I now know my gross margin each of those now I know that if I need to make a hundred grand bottom for me in my pocket, I know how many pills or holidays I need to sell, and I'll also have a sense of how many John Smiths I need to make it viable. That would is what I call top down in in the context of finance. It's the other side of the mirror Uh of the bottom I was describing before.
0: So there it's like you're by then getting clear on the pain sale and the gain or the gain sale, then you can then start seeing how you broaden out the language to more and more people or in terms of how you look for more people like John. That's better than, uh, I think that that makes more sense than what I was trying to say. That's because you're the infinite consciousness that is the awesome Alan Wick. Oh, God's sake.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no.
0: (laughs) So um, to round it off, I think I'm hoping people understand that there's you know, by focusing on your minimal vi- minimal viable audience, you can then focus your efforts and energies and messaging on those people. It, you don't need to necessarily have hundreds of thousands of, of uh, customers. You need to build your solid base, and then also by having an idea. You know, one of the anchor points in this in in this model is like, how much would you like to earn, and then also. What is it, the benefit, the pain that you're trying to relieve or the gain you're trying to create for the customer? That will also influence maybe the price point of what you're trying to do. And then with all of that, you're able to come up with some ideas of numbers of customers that will make you a minimum viable profit.
1: Yeah, and I would say that I completely agree with that. And if there's one word I'd like to leave people with who are listening to this, that is the glue that holds this together Particularly for purpose-led entrepreneurs, it's one word to my to my uh, uh, quote my great hero Seth Godin empathy. Mm. It's yes. all about empathy. It's really about really truly not putting on an act, really saying I understand your pain or your needs or what you're looking for. I speak your language. <laughs> come and work with me we will we will really have a great long-term relationship so it's relational not transactional that's another part of empathy and to me that's the glue that holds all this together and that's very much the theme of his mar- this is marketing book which i think is a, a must read for all of us in this space and what's the name of the book i think it's called this is marketing it's his latest one
0: this is marketing. Well, on that knowledge bombshell, <laughs> I think we we've given enough people uh, people enough to blow their minds. I feel there's a follow-on conversation around how and for, you know taking the idea of empathy. How do we build a minimum viable audience? Yeah. Um, and ooh, there was something else there. I'm not sure what it is. When you started talking about empathy, you, you got me thinking about so many things. But then maybe that is, there's the minimum. How do we do that? So maybe we'll have an, another conversation at some point on that. Well, oh, I, I bow down. Oh, Bowed God down God. <laughs> stop it. To the celestial oh, consciousness. <laughs> nice. Who's Alan
1: I promise I didn't send a check. I don't know where this is coming from. It's totally <laughs>
0: reserved. I, you know, everyone just take a second, pause, breathe in the goodness that is the knowledge of Alan Wick. And until next time, (laughs) thank you very much, Alan.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. I'm sending you a very empathic hug, my friend. Good luck. All the best.